the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And sometimes God uses circumstances in our life out of our control to make us realize that we have a great, great need for Him. And really, it's not until in our desperation we cry out for help and experiencing God's help, we're transformed when our knowledge of God goes from simply being here in the brain to being here in the heart and being experienced. Very appropriate words for us right at this time in our country. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely, Senior Pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And we're wrapping up a message from his study in the book of Matthew. He's in the 8th chapter. If you've missed past messages or would like to review today's broadcast again, go to the ministry's website at highlands.us. We call this daily visit, Study Verse by Verse. There's something else that must not be lost upon us, and that is this. That when Jesus reached out and touched the leper, he not only accepted and received the defilement, he also transferred his health. And this is a picture of what he did for us on the cross when he was made sin for us. He took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. Now, by touching an unclean leper, Jesus should have become ceremonially unclean. But instead of becoming unclean, Jesus makes the unclean person clean. It's a a spectacular demonstration of what Jesus does in respect to human sin. Jesus did not become sinful by becoming one of us. Rather, he made it possible for us to be cleansed from sin by his identification with us. Verse 4. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Don't tell anyone. Now, why would Jesus ask the man to do that? You'd think that this would be incredible advertising for Jesus. Go tell everyone. It's a great way to get a crowd. But the crowd that would have showed up was not the crowd Jesus was seeking. Because the crowd that would have showed up was just looking for a show. Or maybe their own personal benefit. Remember what happened after he fed the 5,000? He disappeared. They go chasing him down. He says, you're not here because of what I have to offer. You're just here for a free lunch. That's people's nature. And there may have been another reason why he said don't tell anyone. And that is that if he told someone they'd get the attention of the Roman authorities, that might cause a confrontation. And it wasn't time for that yet. And that confrontation didn't need to be premature. Or it may have been that he wanted nothing to distract this man from following the next instruction. Go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. There is a prescribed ritual in scripture in the highly unlikely event of a cure of leprosy. 
is found in Leviticus 14. And what it requires is that uh, the priest examine the one who claims to be healed. And if indeed that's the case, then the leper is to offer, give an offering at the temple called the guilt offering. And so what Jesus is doing is several things. By sending this man to the priests, he's showing his regard, his high regard for God's law. And the scriptures indicate that the healing of leprosy is one of the signs that the Messiah has arrived. And so by sending him to the priest, what Jesus was doing is notifying the religious authorities in Israel that someone with messianic powers was ministering in Galilee. Now the ceremony had been on the books for some 1,500 years, but it was rarely used. In fact, the only uh, records of people being healed from leprosy are Miriam, the sister of Moses, and Naaman, the Aramean, who was healed by Elisha. This was a very rare occurrence. It might have been centuries since the last time someone came in. You'd think that that would get their attention. Now, we were given instructions what to do. What, what, where's that found? Leviticus. You'd think that would stir some interest on the part of the religious leaders. You would think that wise men traveling hundreds of miles from the east in order to come and worship the one who was born king of the Jews would stir some interest in the part of the religious leaders. But they were too busy being religious to seek Jesus. We can become too busy being religious to seek Jesus. Christianity is not about being religious. It's about seeking Jesus. This desperate man had come to a point in life where circumstances were out of his control. And sometimes God uses circumstances in our life out of our control to make us realize that we have a great, great need for him. And really, it's not until in our desperation we cry out for help and experiencing God's help where we're transformed when our knowledge of God goes from simply being here in the brain to being here in the heart and being experienced. God sometimes uses us at our point of greatest need in order to draw us to desire a deeper relationship with him. This leper needed Jesus. And it says, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the leper. He touched. He didn't need to. He didn't have to. And that's made abundantly clear in the example of the miraculous healing that follows. The centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but just only say the word and my servant will be healed. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Jesus did not have to touch the leper. He could have just said the word and the leper would have been healed. But Jesus touched him. And Jesus set an example for Christians to follow. And Christians have followed this example in every century throughout history. It has been during times of plagues when Christians set aside the priority of self-preservation in order to serve others in need. And it's happened time and time and time again throughout history. Let me give you just one small example. Eric McTaxis wrote, between 250 and 270 A.D., a terrible plague, believed to be measles or smallpox, devastated the Roman Empire. At the height of what came to be known as the Plague of Cyprian, named after the Bishop St. Cyprian who chronicled what was happening, 
5,000 people died every day in Rome alone. Now, the plague coincided with the first empire-wide persecution of Christians under Emperor Decius. Not surprisingly, Decius and other enemies of the church blamed Christians for the plague. Isn't it interesting that still happens? The claim, however, was undermined by two inconvenient facts. First, Christians died from the plague like everybody else, which begs the question, if Christians caused the plague, why are they suffering and dying along with everyone else? And then second, unlike everyone else, they cared for the victims of the plague, including their pagan neighbors, their unchristian neighbors. When everyone else was self-quarantining and protecting themselves, Christians were out and about helping people in need. This wasn't new. Christians had done the same thing during the Antonine Plague a century earlier. As Rodney Stark wrote in The Rise of Christianity, Christians stayed in the afflicted cities when pagan leaders, including physicians, fled. By their actions in the face of possible death, Christians showed their neighbors that Christianity is worth dying for. A few paragraphs later, he observes, nearly 18 centuries after the plague of Cyprian, Christianity still prompts people to run toward the plague when virtually everyone else is running away. Eric Metaxas. Christians are and have always been exceptional people. Light shines brightest in the darkness. And the strength, faith, and hope of our Christian faith shines brightest in the midst of fear, despair, and hopelessness that is common in people faced by circumstances beyond their control who do not know our Heavenly Father. So in the days and weeks ahead, let us let our light shine brightly for Jesus. Let us not live in fear, but rather in hope. Let us not live primarily for self-preservation, but rather for the glory of Christ in service to others. Jesus touched the leper in need. Some of us, perhaps many of us, may be called upon by the Spirit of Christ to touch a neighbor in need. Christians do not fear disease and death as others who have no hope. Those who have no hope only have this world. And any threat against what they have in this world, they panic, they do things that are unseemly. I've heard some of the stories of how people treat each other this last week. And it makes me sick. Our perspective is different. Because our perspective is on heaven and eternity. And we're just passing through this world. And nobody gets out alive anyway. Now, not every Christian is going to be called. But if the Holy Spirit prompts you and leads you, you need to be prayed up and ready to respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to be very careful about what I say here. Because I don't want anybody walking out today and saying, did you hear what Pastor Layton said? He said we all need to go out and get sick. I did not say that. I did not mean that. You know, I think it's important for us to exercise common sense and even protection of each other. I'm just saying if God prompts you to do something, that if you read through the Old Testament, you'll find out God doesn't always do things logically. But I think in general we need to use common sense. Let me give you some examples. Just a few weeks ago, we celebrated my mom's 90th birthday. A couple days ago, I said, Mom, you're 90. This disease doesn't affect the young people like it does the older people. Unless it's really important, I don't want you leaving the house. I want you to stay home. Last night, she went to Staples. I don't know what's so important about Staples. (laughs) 
you know, that's a difficult instruction for my mom. Because you guys know my mom. She loves people. She loves ministry. She loves to be here. But I've, I've asked her to do that anyway for her protection. And then we have a, a, a lady in our, our offices that is with child. And pregnancy is hard enough. You don't want to flu on top of that. So we've asked her to take special precautions. So I just want to make sure that we're not misunderstood in what we say. This is what I want to say. I'm going to try to say it. That in the days and the weeks to come, we may have an opportunity to glorify God with our Christian conduct. Amen. Amen. Pastor Leighton Sheely with Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. He's in the 8th chapter, or has been in the 8th chapter of the book of Matthew. And we'll move on to verse number 5 when we come back next. I'm Mike Trout. This is a daily visit featuring the teaching of Pastor Leighton. All of the messages in this series in the book of Matthew are available on the website, highlands.us. Plus, you will find information about the service times and other ministries available. That's highlands.us. Have a blessed rest of your day and come back tomorrow when we'll open the Word of God once again and study verse by verse.